This episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is brought to you by the famous Nashville Palace, the iconic music venue, restaurant, and bar right in the heart of Music Valley, Nashville. For over 40 years, the Nashville Palace has been a must-visit destination for anyone looking for an authentic Nashville experience. It has hosted some of the biggest names in country music history, from Johnny Cash to Dolly Parton to George Jones, and continues to be a hub for local and national artists to showcase their talents. But the Nashville Palace isn't just a music venue. It's a full-service restaurant and bar that offers a mouth-watering selection of Southern cuisine, from classic comfort food like fried chicken and mashed potatoes to more adventurous side dishes like fried alligator. And you can wash it all down with one of their signature cocktails, like the Boot Scoot and Lemonade or a Palace Punch. If you're planning a trip to Nashville or just looking for a fun night out, head over to thefamousnashvillepalace.com to check out their upcoming events and make a reservation. Today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is brought to you by Bandit. If you're tired of settling for second-rate gear that doesn't perform when it counts, look no further than Bandit, the ultimate choice for hunters and outdoor enthusiasts. From top-of-the-line hunting jackets to ultra-comfortable, meticulously crafted waders, Bandit has everything you need to take your outdoor game to the next level. And what's more, their gear and camel patterns are anything but average, designed to give you the edge you need to succeed. But it's not just their gear that makes Bandit stand out. Their accessories, like their backpacks, are built to withstand anything the outdoors can throw at you. And their decoys are trusted by the best guides and outfitters across the nation. Trust us, you won't find better gear anywhere else. Head over to Bandit.com and experience the difference for yourself. Choose Bandit and dominate the outdoors like never before. Were you surprised at all with Stylebender? No, no. I mean, I thought it was an impressive performance because... He uh, dealing with a lot of his demons and losing to that guy three times before, but I mean he had rocked Pereira pretty good in the fir- in the first fight in the first round, so it didn't surprise me he was able to catch him this time. What that uh, I don't know what it is about that guy. Like he's, you know, they talk about his video game playing and how he like lives yeah. this like this different extraterrestrial life. I guess you could say, but he he really does like have this inner confidence and I, you have to, as a fighter to go in there and do that, to make a living at it in any kind of fighting or, or combat sport like that. But, um, he's different, man. Like he, he comes yeah. across, he hits different to me. Like I'm not talking about his hitting and his power physically. I'm talking like, he's just different in the way his mindset works because like, yeah. like the confidence it took to go back in there in that rematch and the, in the press conferences leading up to it, he, he had a different approach of like that. What if, what if I write the book? Like he almost put it into like, he's being an author, you know? And that's one of my favorite interviews I've, I've seen in a long time, because I just felt like him saying that like was, was pretty cool. Like, you know, he, he had the mentality of like, of all positivity and all, and all, you know, positive outcomes. And I just felt like one of the hardest things in the sport to do is to beat someone that's beaten you not only once, but a couple times. Yeah. He's beat him in the kickboxing. Then he beat him in that. But man, that, that, the, the thing about the UFC, Jason is it's, I don't know if it's become sad. I don't know like how you think about this, but back in the day of like the, 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 the prime time, in my opinion, back in like Oh five, Oh six. And I'm older than you, but back when it was Matt Hughes and Chuck Liddell and GSP, and like that was what really took that, that brand and that company to the next level. And that was like one pay-per-view every month, two months sometimes, you know, it was almost like when Mike Tyson was heavyweight champion and you based your entire schedule on when his fights were. So you didn't miss the pay-per-view. 
is is it fair to say that that the that the buyout the buys for a pay per view event like the Style Bender aren't <clears throat> going to be as high in today's today's age of technology and the way we get our content because people are like they're just waiting until the next day and going on and seeing the fight or they're they're yeah. watching but you know like there's a fight every week now does that weaken the ufc brand or does that strengthen it for the everyday fight fan uh to answer the first question i do think the pay-per-view buys if i was a, a to make an educated guess i would say they're lower now because back then you'd have to wait you know once a month, maybe once every other month to get a UFC event. And so it was like Christmas, right? Everything would shut down and you'd be all excited because the UFC is going to be on. So uh, I do think uh, that just by, like you said, just because the increase in content to buy, they're probably a little, are a little bit lower than they, what they were back then. Um, but on the flip side of that, I think doing an event, every week has really legitimized us as a true sport and a true league. And I think it's helped picked up a lot of casual fans that were watching other sports on ESPN that are now tuning in every week. So I definitely think there's a lot of, a lot of pros to it as well. For me, it's a different outlook, right? Because more events equals more opportunities for my clients and those opportunities. It's cool to see, right? Like I have a fighter this week making his UFC debut that's really cool to see, right? Like that's, there's only one first walk to the octagon. I know what he's been to. So it has, it has its, its, its pros and cons. Obviously I have the same nostalgia as you, like when Chuck was fighting, it was like life just stopped, right? Like everyone's at the house. We're all watching this fight. You know, those are pretty great memories for me back at, back in those days. I love that point you just made Jason of, it's a true league, you know, NFL, once they start their season after preseason's over, you get 16, 17, 18 weeks, and then you got the playoffs and then you have, you have consistency, major league baseball, 162 games in a season, then playoffs, then world series, NBA, hockey, NHL. I mean, it's consistency in events that that Dana White and that team has dominated, dominated MMA. Now, let me ask you this real quick before we get into what you do specifically and and your success and your vision and and, and what you've done in this in this realm. Um do you as an agent and you and you start thinking about paydays, right? Is it hard to argue with the UFC either you take what they give you until you become like an unbelievable character or a brand like Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. He's the easiest one to think of because the guy has become the guy can never win another fight in his career. And he's still going to probably be the richest MMA fighter of all time with the proper <laughs> yeah. 12 and the movie deals. Yeah. And, and, um, but is it take it or leave it, Jason? Like you could go fight over there if you want. You're not, let's take Ryan Bader, for example. He's a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. He's the, he's the champion in Bellator. Does that hold as much water as being John Jones and the heavyweight champion of the world in the UFC? And can these UFC fighters even argue like, hey, you got to pay me more or I'm going to go over here. <clears throat> Do those other leagues hold their weight in your opinion? Uh, the first part of that question, you know, I, it's not take it or leave it. There's definitely uh, room for negotiation there. For me personally, I just have always kind of treated the UFC like I treat my marriage and I keep that behind closed doors, right? I think the problem is too many times we see complaints online and you're not really seeing the full picture of everything. So, you know, I always tell people there's times where Sean and Mick, 
you know, Hunter and Dana, I mean, we, we disagree on, on certain negotiations, but we handled it in a professional way. And I, I think they've always been more than fair with us. And I can, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of times, um, where they've even paid more than they were supposed to. And, uh, you know, I'm appreciative of that in regards to, you know, someone like a Ryan Bader, like, again, it's different strokes for different folks. I mean, it could be advantageous for him to go to Belgium. It was a good move for him, right? He went over there, became a champion. They paid him very well. Um, I definitely think he used the platform that the UFC gave him and winning the ultimate fighter and becoming a household name in the UFC and using that to his benefit to fight in other, organiz- other organizations and get paid well for it. And, um, you know, I think we've seen that a few times now where guys have tested free agency and, you know, if they got a better offer somewhere else. That's where they went. Let me ask this question in a different context because I want to get you to answer it and be on record. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Bader's a stud. He's an yeah. he just beat he just beat Fedor again. Um, Fedor's yeah. at the end of his career, but his resume, but Ryan Bader's resume from ASU wrestling, um, and then you know, like you said, the Ultimate Fighter. Does his legacy and his career, and I'm not saying that he's not going to sit down with his grandkids someday and say I had a hell of a career. I get that he's he's a real man. Um, <clears throat> But does it hold as much weight if you don't become, and I'm talking MMA, mm-hmm. does it hold as much weight if you never hold that UFC belt as opposed to having the one belt? You know, Pride was bought by the UFC. Strike Force was bought by the UFC. WEC was bought by the UFC. They have yet to buy Bellator or One or some of these other leagues. Holding a belt at any weight division there, let's just say heavyweight with Bader, does it hold as much weight as holding that UFC belt in the terms of legacy and and uh, a true fight career i believe it does i think ryan's had a hell of a career i think is something to be very impressed with and to hang his hat on you know when he's when he's done and he does talk to his grandchildren someday he's someone that's accomplished so much in this sport i mean i think if you can be in the sport as long as he has which i think i mean when you enter the scene maybe 2008 i think he was on the ultimate fighter i mean you're talking he's been at 15 years at some of the highest levels of the sport i mean that's it's impressive, and he's won and he's won a world title, and he's like you said he's beaten Fedor I think twice now, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, those are those are amazing accolades, and uh, you know, I, like I said, I've always been a fan of Ryan. I had the opportunity to meet him a couple times, and uh, I think he's done a great job with his career, and uh, has a lot to be proud of. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I've just <clears throat> always wondered. With it just seems like UFC is dominating in every aspect of the marketing, the TV deals. Uh, obviously, they're the they're they're the they're the big cat, right? And that's they're mm-hmm. the big dog on the porch. Yeah. Um, how do these other leagues continue to be successful? Is it because they're take? Do they? Do you think that? somebody that was somebody in the UFC at one time goes over there and they keep those leagues going in that way because you don't see a lot about one. You hear a lot about Bellator. I mean, if you're a true fan, but a lot of their fighters are guys that did, you know, that got either fed up with the UFC or their contract ended with the UFC or they, they couldn't come to terms. How, do these do these leagues do they bring up fighters in a way that the UFC does, or have they mastered it, like with the tough TV show and, and kind of having the minor leagues of fighting? If you look at like Ed Bellator's last card this past weekend in Hawaii, we saw Raytheon Stotts versus Patchy Mix for the million dollar uh, tournament final. Both of those fighters have been brought up through 
uh, Bellator. Both of them have super impressive resumes. It was an amazing fight. Patchy Mix won by a, a knee knockout. So uh, I think Bellator is in a good job of, of finding young talent themselves and, and building it up. And uh, they, you know, they've done a, a great job, I think, in finding their niche and doing these million-dollar tournaments that I think are very exciting and and draw a lot of people to to watch. Do you think that the prime of MMA has go- come and gone, or do you think that we are just scratching the surface? Will there ever be a time period of the characters? I think that everything has its ebb and flows, right? You have your peaks and your valleys in. If you look at the WWE, I know that it's huge and we can get into the business that just took place with UFC's mother company in a little bit, but I don't know if there was ever a time that was ever more popular than Stone Cold. I don't know if there will ever be that 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 big flurry mm-hmm. of The Rock and Stone Cold and in and, and, and that time period. You know, Hulk Hogan was the trailblazer in WrestleMania and Rowdy Piper and, and Paul yeah. Mr. Wonderful Orndorff and the British Bulldogs, all of that time period back in the 80s. Um, and it, they trailblazed to what became like this manifestation of just popularity and, 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 you know, just stone cold was gigantic. Right. And he still is. I mean, he's, he's hosting TV shows. Now his characters there, yeah. John Cena is a movie star. Dwayne Johnson's probably the highest paid movie star in the, in, in movies now, which is mm-hmm. kind of weird, but again, to each their own. Um, have we seen that come and go with the UFC, particularly when it comes to the popularity and the characters of their fighters is Conor McGregor the last true character we're going to see because Chuck Liddell and the Iceman was an unbelievable character Matt yeah. Hughes I mean Spider Silver there was these characters these comic book characters that were out there really really going to f- blows with guys is that come and go or do we see that again in the UFC I definitely think we see it again in the UFC I think one thing that we have to understand or two things I will say one is we're only 30 years old Look where like baseball, football, basketball was 30 years in. I mean, basketball in the early 80s, if Magic and Bird and Michael don't come around, wasn't doing so hot, right? Right. I mean, 30 years into baseball, what does that put you? 1940s? I mean, they still had winter jobs in the offseason. So I don't think we've even scratched the surface of our sport. And, and the second part to that is, too, is we're the only sport in the world that can go to Brazil and sell out. Go to Australia, sell out. Go to China, sell out. I just think our ability to transcend into different countries and different markets is always going to allow us to produce stars all over the world. I'll give you a good example. They, they sent Brandon Moreno to do this tour in La Liga in, in Spain for the soccer league out there with Real Madrid and, and all these famous teams. I mean, there's soccer players out there that I don't even know of that have like 40 million followers on Instagram. And I'm like, whoa, like that's how big this world is, right? Like, there's a guy with 40 million followers. I didn't even heard of this guy, you know, and I'm, I follow him now. I love him to death. You know, it was great meeting him, but I think like that's where our sport has a capability to be like that. Right. Like soccer has never really done well traditionally in America. Right. NFL Europe really didn't take off when, when they were trying to make that happen. You know, every sport struggled to kind of expand internationally where I feel like we have that ability. So that will allow us to produce more stars, maybe in different markets. Right. You know, I think we're going to see some some stars out of, out of the Asian markets here soon, you know, uh, with all the road to UFCs that they're doing and all the content they're producing over there. Um, and, you know, obviously, New Zealand, Australia has taken off with Izzy and Volkanovski and all of these fighters that are coming up. So I do think um, as we expand more and more, we broaden the pool and you're, you're going to find those Conor McGregor's of the world. I, I like that. 
in a fact that we haven't scratched the surface, but wh- why has there been such a slowdown in another character emerging um, in the UFC? How, what, but you're you're way more educated in this space than I am, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show because one, I love what you do, and I love meeting you in Vegas yeah. at the at the John Jones fight, which we're going to get into that <laughs> night. But why haven't we? It almost seems like Connor. Is, is waiting to come back into another way in and just blow the world up again with all the Irish fans and chants and, and all of that. But why is, is John, does John Jones have potential to be that with his ups and downs in his career? I mean, the guy is absolutely the goat in my opinion. Um, I know that he has one disqualification against Matt Hamill for illegal elbows. I believe it was back in the day. And he's had some close calls that were questionable, yeah. but he's undefeated. And now he's taking on the heavyweight realms. Jason, why haven't there been another character emerging? that's been as big as Connor. I think sometimes when you're increasing the content, uh, there is more. Okay, like I'll, I'll try to give you an analogy. Like say when the WWF was smaller, right? And they only had, say, 15, 20 wrestlers that they were bringing on tour with them, right? And so you're only really focusing on those 10 maybe A-side guys, right? Not, not, not the jobbers, the guys. In, and so you only have a, a pool of like 10 people to consider stars that you follow. Well, then as you expand, right, you're doing shows every weekend in different countries and different parts, and you're bringing in fighters from countries, different world. Like the fan base is increasing, right? And there's a lot of, lot of fighters now that have a few hundred thousand followers on Instagram and, and social media and stuff, but maybe there's not that one superstar. Does that make sense? Like, because it's it's more, I think it's more expanding horizontally than it is vertically at times, right? You know, everyone resonates with someone like uh, like a Cowboy Cerrone, right? Never was a world uh, a world champion, but hell of a dude. One of my favorite fighters to watch. Great guy, you know what I mean? And he had a huge following, right? People resonate with him. I think you're going to see that a lot. People resonate with Sean O'Malley right now. People resonate with Cheeto Vera. Like everyone's going to kind of go to their niche and, and follow, you know, who they kind of relate to. Or uh, who they they draw association with? Do you do you think that the UFC is where it's at right now without Conor McGregor? Like, would there have been somebody else, in your opinion, that they could have manif- uh you know, transformed into the super being that they did with him? Yeah. Because you know, you watch old videos of Conor; he had the confidence, like, "I'm going to do this." And yeah. then all of a sudden the tattoos start coming out, the beard comes, he gets the walk, NFL players and other athletes and professional sports are imitating the Conor McGregor walk. How instrumental was that in today's age, day and age of UFC and MMA overall? Could you say that he took it to the the level it's at now? Or do you think the UFC saw that in him and it was a, it was a chess game that they knew what they were doing? I, I think one, let, let's address Conor. Connor's a star, great persona. You know, I have all the respect in the world for him. I think he's a once in a generational type talent, right? He, he's someone that really, you know, paved the way and was a trailblazer in a lot of ways for our sport and opening a lot of doors that hadn't been opened previously. Uh, the second part to that, though, the UFC did a phenomenal job in building him and putting him in the right lights in the right places to execute and perform the way he did so i think it's it's, it's a two-part i think you know they did their job and connor did his job right um it's kind of, it's kind of like you know like uh we haven't had another michael jordan in basketball right i mean you know you know we we haven't had another tom brady in, in football i mean th- th- this 
these are once in a generation players, you know, I think where I really draw again, my excitement is to see that there's a lot of fighters now that are getting popular. A lot of fighters that have solid fan bases and that shows a, that our sport is growing in a healthy way. Let's back up for a second, Jason house about the business of, and kind of transitioning into what you do. But before that, I want you to talk to me about Dana White. Um, I use the word instrumental with Conor McGregor. From the early days of the knockout show or the the tap out show on Spike TV and in the very beginnings of Tough, um, the ultimate fighter, Dana White, from the early days of this was his vision. He went and got the Fertitas. I don't know the whole story by heart. You might, but um, Joe Rogan was there since day one backstage doing the commentating. What is it about Dana White that you respect? Don't respect. I know that this is a business conversation and, and, and I, 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 I hope for true tra- complete transparency, but I do understand that you do keep things behind closed doors. What is it about this man that, is he is he a, a a Vince McMahon that's just an unbelievable promoter and an unbelievable hype guy? Is he got an IQ that's through the roof? Is he way smarter than anybody else in the room? Is he a visionary? Is like what makes this guy get to the point to where he could build the value? Now I'm not saying he could do it without the Fertitas, but I feel that Dana White being the face man of this and the way that he was never compromising. He was he was unapologetic in a lot of ways over the last two decades. What is it about this man that you've seen being in the room with him, being in the stadium with him, talking to him? What is it about Dana White that 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 gets UFC 30 years in the making to what they've built it to after they bought it? For, for me, you know, you're asking like, he's the most intelligent or the most savvy or whatever. You know, Dana's obviously a very smart man, but I think what separates him from the rest truly is his persistence and his ability to to weather adversity and keep keep coming forward. I think that's what has made Dana a trailblazer. And you know, one of my favorite books is, is, is uh, called Chase the Lion, and it's kind of like the premise is that. Uh, for you to do your calling in life, for you to achieve your dream, by you achieving your dream, it will open the opportunities for others to achieve their dream. And I feel like what Dana has done is provided us all the opportunity to achieve our dreams, right? Like I wouldn't be living the life that I live today if it wasn't for the Fertitas and Dana White. And I know that's kind of a, you know, six degrees and they're, they're, you know, things, but that that's how I, I truly look at it. And I try to come from a real big place of gratitude because it's allowed me to change a lot of lives, right? With these fighters and even the employees that work for me now that are with me that uh, can achieve their dream of working in this industry because of the success of it. So I think Dana has just done a real good job of, of having tunnel vision. I think he's kept his eyes, you know, afford the whole time. He's never been distracted. He's never cared what others think. And he had a vision for the sport and he took it there. And I think when he took over the realm, when, when they bought uh, the UFC, they needed someone like that. They needed someone that was going to stay on the, stay on course and not be deterred because there were so many naysayers back then. There still are, but back then it was horrendous, right? Every, every state commission, everyone, no one was going to legalize the sport. And I thought Dana was brilliant in running towards regulation, uh, running towards the commissions in the states and really legitimizing our sport. And I mean, listen, there's been a ton of adversity in the first 30 years of this business. And uh, I'm thankful that he's been the leader at the uh, of this ship because I think it takes someone like him that just doesn't bend or break to, to get us where we need to be. 
what is some of that adversity that we still face that somebody like Dana White is is looking to to take on? Are we still illegal in different states, different countries? What I mean, are there what, are there a couple what, topics? What, when was the first event in New York? I think it was only 2016 that we finally got licensed in New York. That's not that long ago if you think about it. Like you know, getting licensed in all all the states was a huge hurdle. Um, expanding you know internationally getting getting the show in paris france last year was a was a really big deal i felt like getting that done and just their constant expansion into different countries and different marketplaces uh they're opening a lot of doors for for our athletes to compete and have success and build the fan base in so when when you wake up in the morning you you're take a shower and you go to work you have a lot of different pieces of your businesses that I, I don't know how detailed we can get, but I've heard mm-hmm. rumors that you represent triple digit fighters. I don't know what's true. We're going to get into that if you can tell me, mm-hmm. but this is a lot of different personalities. What, what does your business card say? And, and, and I want, I, the only thing that I can really think of is Jerry Maguire, which I know you've heard of a million <laughs> times. Show me the money. Um, yeah. Is it comparable to that office scenes of that iconic movie with Tom Cruise? Try to tell our audience, like, what does your business card say? And are you just in front of a like Iron Man and you're Robert Downey Jr. and you've just got all these computer screens in front of you moving all these pieces all day long? I mean, I think the the first part of this is is to really explain, you know, an agent is someone that serves and gives. I'm a servant and my job is to serve and give and to help others achieve their dreams and their goals in this business. Um, and to do that, I have to be very detailed oriented and I have to stay true to the process. I think if you stay true to the process, the results will take care of themselves. I don't really focus on results. I only really use results as data to analyze if my process is working. And so, you know, for example, this morning I got up at four thirty in the morning. I, you know, read the books that I wanted to read. I, I prayed, I, I, I got the workout I wanted to get in. I did my sauna, I did my full plunge. I texted the clients I need to text. I sent the emails out that needed to be sent. And that way, that first part of my morning is really proactive, right? I'm, I'm taking care of myself first. I'm taking care of the things I need to take care of the day. And then the rest of the day, you're really reactive, right? Clients would be calling you, hey, my, my, my blood work isn't in yet, or hey, uh, my opponent, you know, there's always something going on. So you have to be extremely uh detailed in your time management you have to be proactive in your free time that way you can be reactive when your client needs you because the truth of the matter is an agent's job is to do whatever the hell your client needs that's the truth of the matter i mean and and that doesn't mean i know everything but it means i i probably know someone that knows something about what we need to fix or how we need to do it and uh i I have a rolodex that allows me to do that with all of the with the with the explosion of mma and combat sports do you concentrate a hundred percent on that segment of athletics or could a baseball player call you and get your services or is it all mixed martial arts so i was working with a marketing group like in 2014 and 15 and they're saying hey jason you your nfl license become an nfl agent you know you can uh, rep some nfl players that we are doing marketing deals with that don't have agents i said okay cool and so I got into the NFL space around 2016 and had some success Had a couple guys in the NFL pretty quickly on. And that was, that was a great experience. But what had happened is in 2017, the contender series started. 
And the contender series changed the whole market. And earlier adopters of this really won the war. People that didn't really see what was going on didn't address that how the business was changing because now the UFC was kind of monetizing those fighters that are like 5-0, and 6-0 and young fighters, and they're kind of putting them in this 10-week you know, series where if you win once, you, you get the contract or Dana awards you the contract. And now it's kind of like our calling out card because we were a very grassroots company. I was a company that was really focusing on the regional scene, building young talent up, building, building their records up properly and getting the experience they need. When then when contender series starts, it's like, man, we're, we're 15, 20 guys a year on contender series. We're, you know, last season we got 10 contracts uh, just in the contender series alone. So that really changed the market. And then at that point I just realized like, man, I could be fighting for a market share in football which I like, but I don't love, or with contender series starting now and the game evolving, I'll, I can go all in on MMA and have a good market share. And that's what I decided. I, I just don't, I just also feel like I don't want to be a jack of all trades, master of none. I feel like, Hey man, if you really are truly passionate about MMA and I love MMA and I can eat it, sleep it and talk about it every day, then that's what I need to be focused on. This episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is also brought to you by Oakley. Guys, let's be real. The world is your playground and you need the right gear to conquer it. That's why you need a pair of Oakley sunglasses. With Oakley, you'll have the clarity, protection, and style you need to take on any adventure. Oakley's commitment to quality, innovation, and authenticity means you can trust your eyes are in good hands. Head over to oakley.com to find your perfect pair. This episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is also brought to you by Lear. Looking for a high quality truck accessory that's built to last? Look no further than Lear. With over 50 years experience in the industry, these guys know what it takes to make your ride look and perform at its best. Whether you're looking for a fiberglass or aluminum cap, a hard or soft cover, or accessories to customize your truck, Lear has you covered. Their products are made with only the best materials and their innovative features provide added convenience and security for truck owners. Head over to Lear.com to explore their range of products and to take your driving experience to the next level. This episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is also brought to you by our friends at Corning Ford. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly SUV or a truck that can withstand your life of adventure, Corning Ford's outstanding selection has something for everyone. And with their knowledgeable staff and competitive pricing, you can trust that you're getting a great deal on a high-quality vehicle. Don't wait any longer to start living your dream on four wheels. Visit Corning Ford today, and don't forget to mention your favorite podcast sent you over. So... You go to the contender series, which is like fighters that are just starting out. They're they're not even they're just fighting in their hometowns. Really, they get invited by Dana White's responsible for the contender series. I don't know if it's his idea completely, but his name's mm-hmm. on it. Um, yeah. So you are one of these guys that visionary wise, you go. Well, wait. If if I go, it was kind of like the tap out show. They were going into these gyms and picking a local fighter, and if you did good, you would get a tap out contract. Yeah. Tough was the same thing. You win the Ultimate Fighter, you get a UFC contract. Now you, Jason House, goes in and says, "Well, if I could go in there and take these young guys and that are five and zero, oh, six and zero, oh, and I could get them to believe in my services, and I show them what a server I am." Now, as they climb the ranks, that's how you've built your your revenue stream is by keeping these fighters on your team, by showing them your loyalty from the get go. Mm -hmm. Is that pretty much it in a nutshell that that's how you built your fighter base? Yeah. You know, you know, I, I, I love the process, man. I love the process of the regional scene and getting a fighter's first pro fight and building them up and 
getting him the right fights and then getting him on contender series or getting him short notice into the UFC. I really enjoy the journey. And I just feel like for every step that you take with your client, the bond becomes closer, right? Because Dave's like, man, Jay's been with me, you know, since day one, he's, he's been there. He's been supporting me. And I think that's something that can't be bought. That's something that, that, that a price can't be put on, you, you know, is, is the loyalty that we give to our athletes and just really being there every step of the way for them. And I think it helps too, right? Because, you know, if you work with someone when they're that young in their career, when it comes time to make those bigger decisions, you kind of have that bond already. You kind of know how each other functions. You kind of know how they are and you, you got a better understanding and you're able to better serve that person where it might be a little more difficult if you sign someone kind of late in the game and you're trying to figure out, you know, how they, how they function inside and out. I want to go back to what you talked about in the early parts of your day real quick, just on a, on a mindset. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about mindset and how important preparation is. And again, to each their own, and I'm not trying to, to tell anybody how to live their lives, but what Jason yeah. touched on a couple things, I want to, I want to talk about like, we talked about Dana White, and I could. I, he had to have a mindset and awareness that was that was different. He was waking up at four thirty. I don't know if he still does. He might, but at one point in his career, he probably yep. didn't sleep much. Now he's he can he can he can relax a little bit now. Um, the cold plunge, the sauna, the workout, the praying, the reading of books. Is this something that? you have a daily ritual that you wake up and you feel like your plan is in place to where when you're in a routine and you can make all of those pieces of that puzzle start moving like that every morning, you keep your mind, your sanity, your physical health, your brain health, all of that. Talk to me about your job and life as a whole, Jason House, about the importance of that, of of those little things that might be 15 minutes in a sauna in a four minute cold plunge and mm -hmm. a workout. Now, again, this is personal. This is what makes you click, but why, yeah. why do you do those things that you named off for your early morning ritual? Uh, one, I, I, I do, I'll be completely honest with you. I have a checklist and a journal and the routine is the same every morning. You get up, you pray, you show your gratitude, you give thanks. Now I worked on me on myself spiritually then I go read a book. Now I improve myself mentally. Then I go work out. Then I improve myself physically. So then by 5.36 a.m., I've improved myself physically, mentally, spiritually. Then I go do my recovery, right? I'm getting a little older. I go do my, my, my sauna. Then I go do my cold plunge. Then usually after that, I go and I put toothpaste on my wife's toothbrush every morning and I go make her a coffee. That way, before my day gets hectic, she knows that I love her and I've done something to show her that love. As simple, as stupid as that may sound, it's something that I like to do so she knows that I've already thought about her this morning before my day gets hectic. For me, that routine stays the same. It don't change whether what, what part of the world I'm in. Like, that's the routine. That's where it's at. Obviously, sometimes I got to adjust it. Most hotels have a sauna. If I don't got a cold plunge, I'll take a cold shower. But I just truly feel like if you can accomplish that much in the morning, your your mind is pretty free to serve others after that. You've, you've done the things you need to do to make sure that you're improving as, as a human being because the bottom line is if I don't take care of Jason House, I can't take care of these clients. That's the truth. You know, you know if, I'm a, if I'm a mess or I'm not healthy, I won't be able to serve them like I need to. So when, when you start talking about this routine, is this something that an agent being a servant that you talk about, 
and you serve people, do you stress this ritual and this routine to your fighters and your clients as well? I guess, in, 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 sorry to interrupt, but yeah. do you tell them how to live their life or do you try to educate them on how it works for you and try to like give, give them hints of like, hey, maybe this is what you need kind of attitude? You know, one of the things about being a leader is that you have to listen to learn, not to respond, and you got to uplift. So a lot of times I ask questions to get my know my clients better. One, if I listen to learn, I, uh, that'll help me to serve them better and understand how they function, how to, how to get them better. But when they come to me with questions, I, I, you know, like, hey, what's your morning routine or how do you do this? You know, I definitely will tell them like, hey, like, look, here, here's my journal. Here, here me, here's me, you know, writing out these things and and keeping it organized and that. And, and, and sometimes, you know, the guys have their own thing. And that's, you know, like I said, I, I don't press my 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 things on others but if they come to me I'm, I'm an open book and i definitely help them but for me a lot of it is i'm sure my, my clients would say i ask a lot of questions i really try to just understand them better and get to know them better so i can serve them in, in, in a better manner so how, how does this affect you personally as a agent when you you talked earlier jason about the connection and how you meet these fighters at a stage in their career to where you you the times on, that you get to... hold on hey buddy yeah sorry for the delay this morning uh, we're gonna grab our you're good okay yeah. okay okay sorry keep going boss no you're good um if, when you start talking about that connection you gain with these fighters by being passionate with them and getting yeah. personal with them and being connected with them and being truly loyal to them as a, you know, a mentor, a friend, an agent, a server. How does it affect your psyche once they're in the fight game and they're in that octagon, you win and you lose with these guys, you get hit with these guys, you bleed with these guys, obviously not physically. This is a, a you know a metaphor, but does it, does it, does it, do you have to take care of yourself spiritually and mentally yeah, to right. deal with the anguish of the ups and downs of seeing these guys and girls that you become so close with go in and they might train for six weeks, eight weeks, have an unbelievable training camp. And the fight could be over in 37 seconds with a tap out or an arm bar or a, a knockout or a knee, whatever. Like you've seen that to where, Oh my God, all that hard work is out. Like like the Michael Chandler when he when he when he face kicked the guy and, and you know in the very beginning of the first round that whole training camp went out the door. Do you live and breathe with these guys and girls of like, man, does, or do you recover pretty quick or how, how does that affect you mentally and spiritually, Jason? Um, I'm a really I I really wear it hard, extremely hard. My my wife constantly has to 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 deal with the sore loser at times. And uh, it, in my opinion, if it didn't mean that much, I, I shouldn't be doing it anyways. I feel like things you do in life, they, they should, you should feel that. You should feel the, the thrill of victory and you should feel the anguish of, of failure, right? Or losing. And um, I truly believe that, it, it, that that's what makes a good agent, that you care that much, you just can't let it go, right? And, you know, I'll tell you a story you know, two weeks before I married my wife, one of my clients got knocked out and my wife started bawling. I mean, she was a bloody mess. But I remember thinking like, man, if I ever had any doubts, if she was the one, you know what I mean? Like she's all in, like she's bought in and that's that's how it is. And I'll say this also, an agent's job is to be rational in times that they can, so they can be emotional, right? You have to figure out what that next step is, whether it's a good step or a recovery step. 
And that's extremely tough. There's days where I keep it together all night long for my guys, you know, talk to their wives, talk to their coaches, talk to their family and do all these things. And you go to the hotel room and you just break down and it's just, it's just so hard. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie bull Durham. Oh yeah. But, uh, do you remember that scene where Kevin Costner, like he gets dropped to single A and he walks into the coach's office and he's like, F this effing game, I'm done. I quit. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing here anymore. And he steps outside, slams the door and you can see he's kind of like talking to himself and cussing and he opens the door and he goes, what time's batting practice tomorrow? Coach is like 10 AM. He's like, okay, see you there. Yep. I feel like that's me on a Sunday some days. You know what I mean? I'm like, dude, F this game. I hate it. It's heartbreaking. You know, I'm over this. And then come Monday, you're like, okay, what, what time, you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, I, it should mean that much. And I'll be honest with you, boss. If the day it doesn't hit me like that or a day it doesn't hurt me like that, I'll walk away. If it didn't mean that much, I need to walk. Because you know what? I think one of the most beautiful things a human being can share with you is their dream. And if someone shares their dream with you and they want you to be a part of it and they want you to be one brick in that foundation of success, man, you better treat that like it's like it's life or death. And I, and I really, I really do because outside of my marriage and my love for my wife, I don't know what more you could, you know what I mean? Like for me to share my dream with you, like, Hey boss, I want you to work on my dream. I'll be a part of my dream. This is my life's work. That's a big, that's a big trust. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a blessing. That's a gift. And so I really try to, just always honor it throughout, you know, every weekend. I try to honor it to the to the fullest, you know, like Do you have kids, Cody Jason? Kane, you know? Do you have kids? I mean uh, no, not yet, no. Not yet. You said not yet. So there are plans and talks and discussions going on <laughs> with the wife that this could to hear my wife. We, we we go back and forth on it. <laughs> so there is a chance that you guys don't go the kid route. There is a chance. There is a chance. You know, it really depends. You know, I got, I, I really try to pray on this and ask for what, what, what the calling is. You know, if my job is to serve and give these, to these families and, you know, these, these guys are, you know, they're like, you know, my wife jokes around that she, you know, manages over a hundred kids. You know, like, well, that's what I was going to ask you is, are you Catholic? You Christian? What, what religion? Christian. Okay. So you're Christian. So I was going to ask you, how difficult does this lifestyle become with a hundred kids? If you all of a sudden have an eighth month old, and then a two-year-old and a three-year-old, like how difficult does this lifestyle become? And is there part of you that is selfish for not having kids already? I'm trying to get into your inner psyche now because yeah. I think that the dynamic of your relationships with all of these people are going to change once you start to give that love to this individual that's your blood and your wife is yeah. holding every day. Is that is that part of the thinking process? Yeah, it's, it's definitely – right now like i love traveling with my wife seeing the world with her and we love being there for our athletes and i don't want to be an absentee father if it, you know if i'm not there for little league games or dance recitals i, I don't you know what i mean I'm, I'm not going to put a child through that so that's the question that i have to you know constantly assess and address as as my life as my life changes Obviously, with COVID, things have changed over the last couple of years, right? Most shows at the Apex. You know, now it seems like we're in home in Vegas two or three times a month. So maybe I could be present for a lot of things, right? It's just constantly, we're kind of waiting to see how everything kind of unfolds as if we're getting back to normal still in, in, in life and seeing how things going and just praying on it and whatever God puts on our heart, we're going to do. But I'll tell you what, like, right now I feel fulfilled, you know, and I know I say that now, I know, you know, when you see your child for the first time, it's, you know, it's a game changer, right? Like it's like rocket fuel, but I thoroughly enjoy like, you know, 
my goddaughter's here, Brandon Moreno's daughter's here today. I remember we made her breakfast, took her to school. You know, they had to go to, back to TJ to do some things. And, you know, I, I love having kids in the house and, you know, uh, they show unconditional love, right? They don't care if I was a winner or a loser this weekend. They just love you unconditionally. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I, I love that about my daughter. I, I was with, at her volleyball tournament yesterday was the last day of this the 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 great westerns we were in vegas for the red rocks too and you you just you you win and lose with them and you hurt so bad it's almost yeah. like i don't i don't even know if i ever hurt that bad when i lost or made a mistake in a game you know and it just yeah. goes back to the fact of of what they mean to you and 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 then when you start you know you you have these fighters that you're that you feeling that close with obviously i mean you're yeah Moreno's one of your is your top dog, right? And you got his daughter at your house. Like this is a legitimate friendship and and responsibility yeah. that that of course you're going to feel the bruises yeah. and the blood when he when he loses or hopefully he never does. Um, he's a champion. He's when's his next fight? Uh, July eighth, international fight week in Las Vegas at T-Mobile against Alexander Pantoja. That's going to be a big one. Yeah, you know for for, for me. I'm just, I'm grateful that we have utilized the opportunities that the sport has provided us to make sure that the back half of our life is good. And I always tell these guys when I sign them, I'm like, listen to me, we do this, say till 40 for the sake of numbers, which that's a long time in the sport. You still have half your life to live. And our job is to utilize opportunities that plan A, the sport has given us so that when it just starts to slow down, you got a plan B, a secondary passion going for yourself. And uh, some of the joys is, is it's seeing that, you know, Moreno is financially taken care of, right? Like he's good and he's made sound decisions. And uh, there's, there's new joys in, in seeing your fighters have different types of success, right? Like it's not always victories in the cage. Like when they buy rental properties or they get their first home, like I'm freaking over the moon. You know what I mean? I had a client buy his first home the other day and he's like, dude, you're really pumped up for this for me. And I'm like, man, that's huge. Remember when I met you? You were in a studio, 700 square feet. Look at this thing you just bought. Like, for me, I just, um, one of my favorite coaches is PJ Fleck at Minnesota. And he said something once and it stuck with me. It said, you always celebrate a win because you don't know when the next one's going to be. It might be a small win. I remember like when Brandon Moreno got a million followers, I got him a cake and we had this little thing, you know. He's like, bro, it's not that big of a deal. I was like, Brandon, two years ago, you were cut from the UFC. You barely had 10,000 followers. Like, dude, you got to celebrate everything in life because it all happens so damn fast, right? Like, where it's it always like, <sighs> I try to celebrate everything for my guys. They get a new car, hell yeah. They get a rental property, heck yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm, I'm a cheerleader, man. I'm freaking, I'm pom-pawing for them. I love them. How many fighters do you have, Jason? Uh, we have a couple hundred. We, I think we now have you... uh, like 100 and 103 in the UFC. And then we have prospects in every weight class that we're developing and, and building up for, you know, to get, to get to the UFC or Bellator or PFL, wherever it may be as well. When you say we have, is this a company that you started and you have agents working under you now, or what is, what is the structure? Yeah. So I, uh, I started this company in 2009, right out of law school. Um, <clears throat> I was working, I was interning at an agency and my, uh, some things that were happening just in the line with my moral compass at the time. So I went on my own and uh, I talked to my pops about it and he was like, look, Jay, give it two years. If it, if it, if it takes off, you'll never have to work a day in your life. And if it doesn't take off in two years, you'll have peace in your heart that you tried and you can always go back to that law firm job. 
So what I did was I passed the bar exam. I got a job at Outback Steakhouse. And for the first two years of the company, I would just do nine to five agent stuff. And then six to 10, I would surf tables at night. And we're just hustling on the regional scene, just signing young fighters. And it's tough because I graduated law school, I think, at 24. So it was like, it's hard to convince men to sign with a young kid like me, right? It's hard for them to get, you know, I, I really tried to sell them on my, that my youthfulness was an advantage on a disadvantage that I was hungry and I needed to, I needed to succeed so bad, you know, and, uh, it paid off. I'm very, I'm very lucky. I'm very, uh, blessed that it worked out the way it did. Congrats, man. How many employees do you have? So right now I think we have 12 people working in the agency. Um, we got a great group. I'm really proud of the culture that we've, we've formed here. I think, you know, obviously I would have liked you know, a lot of people that always want to grow horizontally faster, but you got to find the right pieces of the puzzle. And uh, I'm lucky that along the way I've met such amazing human beings that love and care for these guys as much as I do. Like, you know, when I see some of my team crying, you know, or emotional over a win or a loss, like it, that, that means a lot to me because it means they care just as much as I do. And I think that's what's needed, right? Everyone in your agency needs to be bought in and, understand the magnitude of, of the opportunity they have to be a part of someone's dream. I like that. So the representation of a couple hundred fighters, mm -hmm. are you, are you stabilizing to where can you get much bigger than that in this game to where you obviously you'd have to hire more manpower, but where I'm going with this Jason house is, you say you text this guy and this, you know, emergency might come up here and you might not have blood work in, but how, how much attention can you give that many clients when well, you're trying to be everything to them? It's actually, we've, we've really built a good system here in the agency that allows us to not be jack of all trades and to be focusing on our course. Let me step outside real quick. So, uh, for, for I lost you. Uh, a lot of agencies. Uh, uh, can you hear me? You there? Yeah, you're, you're back now. Can you hear me, boss? Yep. Okay. A lot of agencies are built kind of like a pyramid. I'm not saying it's a pyramid scheme, but just like you know, you're, you 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 don't really. I lost. I lost you since you, I lost you since you went outside. You're kind Jace. of dealing with. Junior agents. Let me let me go up. Let me, let me see. Can you hear me? Yep. I'm just writing a note okay. to my editor to, to take this part out. Okay. Perfect. I grab a chair. Well, let me grab a chair and then we can keep this dialogue going you need some fresh air um, okay here we go so what I, can you hear me we're good yep okay so what i was what i was saying is, is that so a lot of agencies you're kind of dealing with say like a junior agent for say right you're not really dealing with other people in the company in my company i feel like no one should ever work on your behalf that you don't speak to daily so we have a marketing department and there's 
three people that work in the marketing department and they only do marketing, right? And we have a PR department and only those three people in the PR department handle PR, right? Then we have Jeremy Luchow, who's like my partner, who handles all the regional scene fights. I handle all of the, the major orgs. We have Lance Body, who's also an attorney. He does all the legal work and is an agent himself. So we, you know, we have Edgar Gonzalez does all the compliance for us, right? The travel, the medical, the visas, all that stuff. So really everyone has a, a specific role in our company and that allows me to kind of play rover and do the things that I need to do. So, and we have agents, other agents as well that are just allowed to focus on the day-to-day with the clientele and the communication. How, so we kind of- be, be the boss, being the, the founder, and I know that you consider all of your employees part of the team and you guys are all in this together. I get that, that, that nobody's bigger than the next one, but do you automatically take on the big accounts or have you found that trust in other employees that you trust them with these relationships that you hold so sacred? Yeah, you know, I, I, I trust my team 100%. You know, um, I truly believe a great leader produces leaders that are better than themselves, right? Like Jacob Parker, right? He runs our marketing department. He's been with me since he's 21. He's 27 now. I'm 38 years old. I truly believe when Jacob Parker is, is 38, he will kick my ass as an agent. Because he should, right? If I did my job, I loved him with all my heart and soul, and I gave him every nugget of knowledge I picked up along the way, he should be better than me. I should put him on my shoulders and he should surpass me. And so when, as long as I carry this selfless mentality, everything will work itself out, you know, because your, your, your team will be so loyal to you when you're putting so much into them and you're loving them and you're caring for them. Do you, do you battle personally with the same battles that other people face in their lives of, I don't want to really get into the emotional part of the fight, but this lifestyle can be unbelievable to what you're living. Like every week it's a party. How hard has it been for you personally to find that balance and that discipline, not to drink too much, not to partake in the ongoing party that comes with this kind of lifestyle. Now, look, I'm not saying that you that you are out seven nights a week, but the UFC, the after parties, the the yeah. dinners, the bottles of wine, the negotiations, the the red carpets, the movie deals, the the Mountain Dew deal, whatever it is that you're getting, there's something that you said yourself that is can always be celebrated. Now that might just be a cake once in a while, but how how hard has it been with you at 38, Jason House, to to not partake or to find that balance or have you ever fallen into that realm of man, I really do need to slow down and get the cold plunge going and the sauna and the praying going or have you always been that disciplined that you never really found that part of this job? I mean, I think there there is a time on Saturday night where you need to celebrate those moments with their clients. You know, I mean, will I have a beer too? Yes. I'm not a real big drinker. Never have been, never will be, you know, I enjoy a good dinner. Um, but you know, me staying out, say a late one or two nights a week, I just, I just adjust my sleep and then get back on my routine in the morning. And, uh, you know, I've learned as long as, you know, the alcohol is a minimum, your body functions pretty well. You know, it adapts pretty good. You know, usually when you, when you have more than a couple of drinks, like your REM sleep goes down tremendously and you really start affecting yourself. So, but I try to be, you know, 
uh, you said the difficulties that everyone else has. Like I have that difficulty of being present sometimes because it's almost like you're a Viking, right? You conquer this land for your, for your athlete and you want to go figure out what the next land you need to conquer for them is. But at the same time, you need to stop and be present with them and enjoy the moment. And so, you know, this year, my, I've really been working on keeping my chin up and being present and just really soaking it all in because I am 38 years old, right? I mean, I've been in this game for almost 15 years now and it's flown by and I've enjoyed every second of it, but I want to make sure I'm really making those seconds count. When you talk about being present in today's age and earlier you said, Hey, I'll text some guys. How important is face to face and actual conversation like we're doing right now like thank god for zoom and skype and you i could see you it's not the same as having you in the studio here me being yeah. that being in your backyard with you but it's something like how important is that actual dialogue instead of just sending that text with your clients i think it goes a long way and that's why i go to every event to see them there and to to love them and to bring good energy on fight week you know, when I was growing up, my father used to always say, like, I could tell when you're going to have a good game or a bad game in baseball. And I'd be like, dude, he's full of crap. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'll tell you what, right now, man, I can almost, I can pinpoint on fight week just based off the energy who's going to perform well and who isn't. And so I always really try to be present, give them my love, give them good energy, try to remove any small stress that may be bothering rides for their family or tickets or whatever, extra hotel rooms, whatever it may be. And um, just really be there for them, you know, and because I, I, I do feel that it's the little things that can set someone on the wrong path. Do you think that the responsibility of MMA organizations and you like you're in this game, right? How important is the responsibility of the martial arts there? At one time, you always heard about the disciplines and the 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 respect and the the overall mindset and ideology of what martial arts were whether it was jiu-jitsu or taekwondo or bruce lee or karate whatever it was do you think about what the what has transversed into this in this country of everybody thinks they're a fighter now remember the old eddie murphy delirious when the italian goes in and sees yeah. rocky and now so he's like oh i'm you know and he just thinks he's the toughest guy in the world right I'm, I, I'm i'm half italian and i thought that way a lot when i would watch a rocky balboa movie right so the responsibility part of this game <laughs> the respect part of this game these guys are not going out and getting in bar fights now when they do it shuns a black eye whether it was Connor, whether it was John Jones, whoever it was, it's not good for the sport. How important is that you and your in, in, to you in the messaging of the UFC or Bellator one, and and you personally, Jason? How important is that that the responsibility, and the respect that just because you that UFC is big and fighting is cool doesn't mean that we're going to go out and just turn into a bunch of hoodlums and start shit all the time. I feel like it's it's like the opposite. I feel like because we have discipline because we have martial arts we live with peace i think sometimes when a man enables himself to be dangerous he's more peaceful because he's he's prepared himself for such um you know for me one personally martial arts is everything like i, I came up in jiu-jitsu and it's a big part of my life the martial arts aspect of everything um and then you know as as athletes you know I like personally, like, man, I'm gonna tell you what, 
I don't, I don't chase talent. I chase high character people because talent will take you places your character's not ready to go to and character will get you through those adverse times. So I think what we're seeing is there's a lot of good human beings in this business. You know, I'm very proud of the human beings that my fighters are outside the cage more than I am proud of their performances as fighters inside the cage. They're really good people. They have really good hearts. And a lot of them have dealt with so much adversity in their life and have just stayed so persistent and, and it's inspirational to, to be around them. So I'm proud of uh, the culture that our industry has right now. I love that. I love the fact that the the violence that happens in the octagon allows for peace and awareness on the outside of that might not necessarily be who these warriors are when we're watching them go to battle, right? That they, they're teddy bears. A lot of them are just like when I'm around Dan Hendo Henderson and I never want this podcast to turn into a name drop, but I'm proud of the friendship that I have with guys like that because they don't act like that. Like they don't, I watched one time at Nobu in the hard rock when it was called the hard rock in Vegas. What is it? Virgin now Virgin hotels. We were at the center bar and we were walking to Nobu and that's like a hundred feet. And it was literally hundreds of autographs signed and selfies taken in fight town, USA, you know, Las Vegas, could be the fight capital of the world now. I don't know if anywhere in Japan's bigger. Is, it, is Vegas the fight capital of the world? It's the fight capital of the world. Of the world. Okay, so it was amazing to see what Dan Henderson took time out of his day to not say no to one person. And I'm proud to know that they're, that these guys are like that. That they're, yeah. that they're. I was with Randy Couture one time, and it's the same thing. He never ever makes you feel like he's the big the big guy in the room so i i think it makes me feel good to hear you say that 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 connotation of the warrior the violence and then it, it allows for peace on the outside and you could take that into your business negotiations because business negotiations and life and discussions and relationships and partnerships they get heated they can get heated at yeah. times if they're not something's wrong but that that heatness that that level where it gets up to that level 10 allows you to be that guy in that cold plunge and be that guy that can calm down and, and use your disciplines and your balance of who you really are of being a babysitter today for one of your fighters kids who i think you said you're the godparents for right yep yep and I always say, like, people say, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's not personal, it's just business. That, that's complete crap. Business is completely personal. It's about relationships. You do business with your friends. You want to work with people you like. So I always try to keep that in mind And when I'm representing these athletes that, you know, this, this is an industry that moves with friendship. It doesn't move with, you know, constantly bad-mouthing or negotiating in public. Those things never turn out good for anybody. Nothing like that's the ego, and when the ego gets involved, that ego is the enemy. Ego is the absolute enemy of anything in life. So, where do we go from here? I want to have you back on because I I know we're running out of time, but I do want to talk someday about the actual fighters and what makes them click and 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 taking them from you know I've always said this about the UFC, and this is what I want to get into get in with you in our next conversation. We're gonna have Jason back on. Thank you for being here. But one of the yeah. main things that I that I have really dissected in my relationship with mixed martial arts is just the relationships that I have with the friends that I have that were professional fighters. And the, the after the career, we've touched on it here about you still got half your life to live, but the yep. effects that it has had on some of these individuals, 
I'm not going to say any names, but I have seen it go from being small town America, all of a sudden celebrity, no training in place to become that celebrity. Then it's over and the crash happens. And I know you know what I'm talking about because of, of the darkness that happens, the mental anguish, that the fight game's gone, the private jet rides are gone, the, a lot of the sponsorships are gone, the revenues. But most importantly, the fighting's over. When it's gone, yeah. it's hard for a lot of these athletes to take. So next time, Jason House, I want to touch on Let's what your responsibility is yep. to train these individuals because it's going to happen. Yep. Some sooner than later. You said 40 years old. That is old for a fighter. You know, not everybody's yep. going to be Randy Couture in there fighting at 45 for the title. 100%. You know, so, you know, and, and you mentioned Tom Brady, the GOAT right there in his 45th year of, of life. He's still throwing a football. And now he says he's officially retired. Yeah. But it's these guys come back because they can't take it. They can't take the slowdown. They can't take the normalcy. Chuck Liddell cannot stand the fact that he doesn't get to go in there and throw Iceman right hands. Like, there's just no way that he can. It's, they, like, I've talked to Dan Henderson. And I'm like, would you go into bare knuckle and fight? He goes, if. They could get me off the couch for the right amount of money. I'm like, dude, you're 52 years old, but he would still go in there and fight again. And that just like yeah. there, but he's adjusted well to the afterlife. I call it that. I don't want to get into religion. I'm not trying to take that away from religion, but yeah. after the fighting life, I want yeah. to talk to you about the adjustment that it, it's a lot of discipline that it's going to take for these guys. Yep. So it, it, it really comes down to their, their identity, right? They, they, their identity is being a fighter and they need to understand that that's a part of their life. It's not who they are. That's know? a great way to say it is that it's not who they are hundred percent, you know, and, and I'll give you the quick synopsis, but like one things that we've been implementing at the agency is doing empowerment forms every quarter where we bring in financial advisors, you're bringing real estate agents, you bring in the marketing director of monster, you bring in these different people, you know, Forrest Griffin and a fighter that's retired and found, you know, a way to stay in the sport and be very passionate uh, about what he does for a living and just start educating these fighters now so they can start addressing these things now. I think the problem is we don't address it and then it comes like, you know, it hits them out of nowhere and that, that can't happen. We yes. have to start educating these athletes now and start giving them the tools and resources necessary now to understand that this is going to end. This will end. Exactly. The goal is that you get to tell the sport goodbye. The sport doesn't tell you goodbye. That's one goal. And the second goal is Ooh, when, like that. when that goodbye when that goodbye happens, to make sure that you've prepared yourself, not just financially but mentally. You know what I mean? To have peace with with what everything that's gone on. I want to get into that because that's very important to me because what I like about talking to you, Jason House, is that that we could have had this entire conversation and not mentioned MMA, that this all pertains to life. And yep. that's where I really wanted to talk with you because when I met you that night after the Jones fight when we were with our boy Cody, he's got a big fight coming up. Another one of your fighters, and yeah. he's a stud. Um, I, I just – Text him, though, and tell him that I would whip his ass in a real fight like I did in Hot Hands. <laughs> Say, Chad says he's so much quicker than you. Um, but, God, what a great dude. What a great personality Cody Stranham is. But I want to have you back on because this stuff relates to what exactly how I want to live my life. I want to be a better leader. I want to get people fired up. I want to celebrate everybody's little victories. My One of the greatest songwriters in the history of country, any music, is a guy out of Kentucky by the name of Chris Knight. Look up his album, Jason House. It's called okay. Little Little Victories. Little Go, Victories. Okay. He's, but he's got another song 
that you need to find. It's on an album from 1999, I believe, that it's self-entitled album called Chris Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T, and it's okay. called It Ain't Easy Being Me. Listen to the lyrics of that song, okay. and it'll be like, man, this is what we that we're talking about. So I listen to songwriters. I read books. I, I listen to what you're saying in this podcast. I want to have you back on because this okay. relates to everyday life. I appreciate you being on, my man, and yes, I'm sir. proud to call you a new friend, and I'm very proud of your success. Congratulations. Thank you. It's unbelievable what you've done, buddy. That's Jason House. Hey, um, let's uh, let's 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 end this real quick. Just the, what do you got coming up? What's the big fights coming up besides Moreno? Anything that you want to get out on the table right now that you're yeah, excited we, we about? Got Rick, we got Ricky Simone in his in his first main event this Saturday at the UFC at, at the Apex. It's a big opportunity for us. We're fighting Song Yudong. Uh, it's definitely a you know a fight that's an interest closer to a title shot. I've been with Ricky since day one, so. I love him to death. I'm proud of him. And to see him make this walk, his first main event walk is uh, something special to me. And I know he's going to get his hand raised on Saturday night. Good luck to him. I'm glad. I know you're going to be there. Text me and let me know the outcome. This yes. is another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. That's Jason House. That dude is a bad SOB. I'm telling you, y'all pay attention to his message. I'm wearing the shirt right now. This Life Ain't For Everybody. Like Jason talked about, enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Thank you to Jack Daniels, the Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee, Tennessee, USC. Oh, God, I can't even talk. I'm so fired up. USA, I truly love everything about Jack Daniels and their messaging and their culture. But again, enjoy it responsibly and live a balanced life. Get in that cold plunge. Get in that sauna get in that gym live by what jason talked about today got me fired up i'm gonna go out and get my pool right now and swim laps right now jason thank you for being here thank you all so much for the downloads and the subscriptions we're gonna go out with leith lofton our theme song what's she gonna do when the money's all gone life on earth won't last too long so what you gonna do when the money's all gone i'd rather be poly in a hole than rich as hell without a soul life on earth won't last that long what you gonna do when the money's all gone say life on earth won't last that long what you gonna do when the money's all gone